This is a Podcast 225 production. The issues. What's going on now? What's happening in the state? The people. Carl Dabity. We've got Michael Shingleton. Taylor Moore. Jay Darden. Congressman Garrett Gray. Richard Condon. He is Ryan Clark. Sharon Weston Broom. The podcast. And we're going to talk about that. This is the Clay Young Show. How goes it? Welcome back to the Clay Young Show, episode 184, here on podcast225.com. As we wind down 2018, making way for 2019 to get on in here. Hopefully you guys are doing well. Uh, This has been a really reflective week for America as this week the country mourns the passing of the 41st president of the United States, George H.W. Bush. It has been interesting to watch the political discourse about this because I believe President Bush's tenure in office was the last one that wasn't just about tabloid level scandals, right? I think the most scandalous newsmaking thing that happened during the Bush 41 presidency was likely the appointment of Clarence Thomas to the Supreme Court and the entire circus that went along with that. That was was not our most shining moment. But his presidency as a whole was really the last one that wasn't about the salacious, really over-the-top drama that we have seen in every presidential term since starting with Clinton, and then, of course, in the Bush White House with people talking about the way the election went and all of that, and through the Obama presidency, and, of course, now where we are today. I mean, you see people on both sides of the aisle say very kind things about President Bush. President Clinton revealed to the country the letter that President Bush left behind for him. As is the custom of the outgoing president, there is a letter left to the man coming behind him. One day we may be saying the woman coming behind him. And it showed his compassion. He said in the letter, now you are our president. And man, I got to tell you right now, when you watch the news, it seems like we are about a million years away from that kind of sentiment being real in this country. And I think that's a shame. And so we remember the man, his love affair with his wife who passed not very long ago and what he did for our country. So, And then even on social media, the, the vast majority of the memorials to the, presidents, the, the, to the president, the tributes to the president, have been pretty classy. So, man, I wish we could get back to that level of discourse. And I've got friends who are in Washington, D.C., who work on the Hill, and they'll tell you, If Republicans and Democrats are seen together having coffee or having cocktails after hour or anything of the like, man, it becomes a big news story. Why are you with them? Why are y'all together? It's the dumbest thing I think I've really, I really think it's one of the dumbest things we do in politics now. That the left and the right can't talk. They can't be friends. They can't disagree on policy yet like each other personally. 
Because if they do, one side calls you a sellout or a turncoat. And I don't know how we expect to get very much done if the two sides don't talk with one another. But it's the reality of today, man. Social media is something. If, if Again, if a Democrat on the Hill... Could you imagine if Nancy Pelosi was, seeing, was seen somewhere sharing a glass of wine with, say, Steve Scalise? <laughs> but what are y'all doing together? If Mike Johnson from North Louisiana was seen having coffee with Chuck Schumer... Why are y'all together? What are y'all talking about? I don't think that does us any good. I remember a few years ago when there was this dust up with David Duke and this this accusation made that Steve Scalise was attending a David Duke function years ago and they happened to be doing separate events at the same hotel. And the news was, you know, the question was, why was Scalise with David Duke? And do they agree? And is Scalise a racist? And all of this. And Cedric Richmond, who is a representative kind of in the same area down in New Orleans, who is a Democrat, said that that's not Steve Scalise. Now, you may disagree with him on policy, but the man's not a racist. And I just thought that that was a stand-up thing for Cedric Richmond to do. And these guys like each other. They don't agree on a lot of things. In the Baton Rouge area, Garrett Graves and and, and Cedric Richmond work together, and they don't have to agree on policy, but it's where we are. And I see this now in society, and I think the decency of the American people is still there by and large. The problem is the negative thing, negativity that happens in society is almost always magnified by social media. So, you know, I just, this this has been a really important time of reflection, I think, for me, looking at the way that this president's passing has been talked about by people in the media and the respect shown by both sides of the aisle. And again, it's it's wishful thinking, I'm sure, on my part to hope that we can get back to that. But who knows? It's always unfortunate that it's it's tragedy and some calamity that brings us together as opposed to just trying to treat people the way we want to be treated. And it's frustrating. It is very frustrating. I mean, you, you well, I won't go down that road, but it's I'll just leave it at frustrating. I'll tell you something that's not frustrating, and that is the job being done by our guest on today's show. He is the superintendent of schools in Caddo Parish, Dr. Lamar Gorey. Many of you remember he was on the show only a few weeks ago. And since that appearance on the show, talking about why he decided to be an educator, he comes from a family of educators, and he is now running a school district that he attended as a young man. But since that day that he was on the show, he has been named superintendent of the year for Louisiana. And I have firsthand knowledge of the hard work being done in Caddo Parish in the interest of full disclosure. My company has done some work with the school district there, and there are a lot of positive things going on. But it is a very interesting, interesting dynamic when you talk about public education in the country. And it is my personal philosophy that school districts 
in every city around the country are really at the nucleus of what is happening in a city. In other words, if we support school, public schools, right, and if we encourage investment in public schools, and if we hope for and incentivize the best and the brightest to rise to the top while also helping other children who may have a little bit more difficulty learning, you create a better pool of employable talent. You lessen the likelihood of young people going the route of criminality because if they are able to be gainfully employed, there is less of a reason to rob and steal, right? And it has an impact on everything from the economic status of an area to just public safety as a whole. I mean, school systems are very, very, very important. I think every child can learn. Not every child learns the same, but every child can learn. And so when Dr. Gorey comes on, we're going to talk a little bit about the methodology of winning with public schools. He has done it. He has the teacher of the year in his school district. He's, he's, had, uh, he's got two students of the year in his district. And a plethora of just really positive things going on in Caddo Parish up in North Louisiana. So I'm looking forward to that conversation with Dr. Gorey, and it will be next. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Rodri, and I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your hosts for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 1073 mobile app. This is Jeff LaDuff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly LaDuff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at openeyesafetytraining.com. We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. Back with the superintendent of schools in Caddo Parish. He is the Louisiana Superintendent of the Year, Dr. Lamar Gorey, who was on the show a few weeks ago. Didn't know he'd be back this soon, but I didn't know he'd be named Superintendent of the Year either. So here he is. What's going on, man? Congratulations. Wow. You know, I feel like such a celebrity to have, <laughs> you know, an opportunity to be on your show twice in uh, such a short time span. So, uh I'm really excited to be back to talk to you, Clay. Man, it's 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 a it's a big deal to be superintendent of the year. I was at the announcement a, a couple of weeks ago, and you talked about why it's important to you to do a good job for the people, specifically the children of Caddo Parish. But to be named as the top in your field among your peers, 
has to be overwhelming. I mean, tell us about that emo- that emotion, the moment that you found out you were going to be superintendent of the year. You know, what I'll tell you, Clay, is that, uh, you know, from an emotional perspective, I think what it really measured to and what it meant to me, I mean, instantly, was that it really spoke to the work that we're doing at Cattle Parish as a team. It really spoke uh, in great volumes to the amount of, you know, tireless hours that teachers, that administrators, that district office people are giving uh, to make sure that we're providing uh, students with the very best that we can in a very challenging time. You know, when you look at accountability, when you look at uh, the plight of the urban education, uh, there's some challenges there. And I'm really just excited that the state chose to honor a school that's not, we don't have all eight schools, you know, we have some failing schools, but to honor the work that we're doing on growing children. And we truly do look at at our progress, even with our within our most struggling populations, within our highest poverty schools, within our schools that are that, that are most rural, our most our rural schools, and we are really pleased that the state chose to honor the work that we are doing because it's important. You know, it's amazing, and and I've I've heard. I heard you do this when you were receiving your award, and I, and I think that it's it's important to make mention of. You talk about the success that you have had almost always from the perspective of the work that you and your team are doing, and I think that that's something worth recognizing. But I mentioned this in the open of the show before I got you on, and I talked about how public school systems are, in my opinion, at the nucleus of every city in America. And when people invest in public education, when they support public education, they do so to the benefit of whatever area they live in. Talk about that a little bit, why it's so important for us to sustain and really support good public schools. You know, one thing I was hybrid to present in that I was born in Cattle Parish, both my parents were career cattle educators. My wife's a product of the system. Uh, our children are both products of the system. But uh, more importantly, I went away for 24 years. And over the 24 years, I had an opportunity to go. I was in Georgia, went to undergrad there, and worked there for a couple years. Then we uh, went over to the Dallas area, worked there. Uh, one thing that I knew for sure, uh, in all aspects of my professional career, I have felt prepared. In all aspects of my social-emotional career, I feel prepared to lead. I've received that training right here in Caddo Parish. So uh, it is that that nucleus, it is Caddo Parish Public Schools that provided me with those first leadership opportunities, that provided me with the academic skill set to be successful, not only in undergraduate, but graduate school, and ultimately earn a Ph.D. This system prepared me to chase my wildest dreams. And that's the same thing that we must take as a challenge for the 40,000 students that rely on us every day. At the same time, I feel it is my responsibility because I'm the product of this system and of this city to also make sure that we're preparing every graduate to be a fully functional uh, citizen that gives back to this community. So I look at this work as though I'm creating the population of Shreveport for next year. I'm creating the people who will be the service providers of next year. I'm creating the next mayors, the next superintendents, the next teachers. And really, we take that very seriously and want to make sure that we equip everyone to go as far as they can dream. You know, it's it's interesting because I said this earlier that I believe every child can learn and children 
learn at different paces as, as we know every everyone has different talents and gifts and it is it's sometimes discouraging when when the the level of discourse about public schools ignores the reality that children deal with there's only so much that you as a superintendent and your teachers can do but i do think it important for us to remember when kids are learning they are more likely to be productive they're more likely to have an opportunity to live their dreams and they are less likely to be someone who gets into trouble by way of breaking the law is that a fair statement I think it's true. And, you know, our system, we truly uh, pride ourselves on that whole social-emotional aspect of what it takes for students to be successful. Uh, we know that it's more than what you learn in the classroom. And that, that whole uh, things around what I call those tiebreaker skills and really equipping kids with things like two-way conversations, uh, equipping kids with the ability to say thank you when something's given to you. A lot of those social-emotional skills, those leadership skills, are things, too, that we have embedded throughout our curriculum and throughout our day-to-day operations at the school system. So uh, I certainly agree with you there. And you you were in the classroom as a teacher, and that was some time ago now because you were a principal as well. When you visit your schools now as a superintendent and you see the interaction with kids and the way that they are, how does that differ from the time that you were in the classroom actually teaching the kids on the ground level? You know, I, I, I think it's a two-way, I think it's, it's two ways to look at this. Uh, you know, there, there certainly is that uh, critical way of looking at it from the perspective of a lot of people would say that it's not as fun as it used to be because there is such a high level of accountability, uh, and, and that accountability is generally uh, built around how students perform on a test that they take a few days out of the year. But at the same time, I'm really encouraged with the high level of critical thinking and problem solving that's engaged in what we teach children today. Uh, you know, long gone are the days where your, your issue is that, that concrete one plus one is two, but it's really why is one plus one two. It really creates those global thinkers that are going to make that measurable difference in the future because we've changed the game of what we're preparing them to do. It's really going to be exciting 20 years from now when we have uh, this, this community of global thinkers, of really cri- critical thinkers uh, that will be our populace and how they will actually shape, mold, and really lead the world. And, and speaking from a Louisiana perspective, it's critical that we give our kids those advantages. We need them smart. Yep. We need to get our, our system off of those lists where we're always performing at the bottom when it comes to education. And I do believe as, as, as challenging, uh, you know, as accountability is on us mentally and physically, it will produce a populace that we can all be proud of. You know, there was, a, there was an event recently where uh, you highlighted a lot of the successes that, that are happening in the district. And one of the things that, that you talked about or that your system talked about was Votech and, and some of the training that young people can get for uh, jobs that don't require a four-year degree. Can you talk a little bit about that? I can. A, real, a really big part of us making sure that we are giving students all that they can is really looking at, you know, the average student uh, will graduate and will marry, will have children, and will live within the Shreveport and the Parish community. You know, in that respect, we have taken a very close look through our Jumpstart program at those careers that exist for that high school graduate within our city and within our parish. 
And what we're doing is we're preparing students even before they graduate to be successful in those specific fields. And uh, there's been a lot of time and effort that's gone into making sure that when we look at Jumpstart and looking at how do we give those kids an advantage, we are preparing them for jobs that they will leave high school and go right into the completion of a certification if they hadn't already completed that program and do things like auto mechanics, doing things like welding. Uh, these are things, anything in manufacturing, those are industries that are wide open for you to make a, a, a wonderful living right within our parish. What do you think, you referenced a second ago about education in the next 20 years. What are some of the tools that you think are going to be more necessary in the coming decades that will engage young people and and get them falling in love with their education? You know, obviously, when you look at anything around STEM, anything around science, technology, engineering, and, uh, you know, mathematics, uh, that's interesting. I think anything you look at around cybersecurity and uh, anything you look at around how do we create uh, analytical thinkers and uh, problem solvers, those are going to be those skill sets that that will create uh, an exciting classroom for tomorrow. Now, in that respect, this is not a classroom where students are sitting in rows. We can no longer do school like we've done it in the past. You know, we're talking about creative things like flipped classrooms where you are doing your lecture on technology at home but coming into the classroom to a 100% laboratory type of setting where you're doing application within the classroom. So really, we got to totally flip how we've done school for the last 400 years if we're going to prepare, especially our struggling students or even our economically disadvantaged students for what life is preparing others to do. So those are some of the things that we're excited about. I'm really making sure that we are, uh, as a system, picking the strongest material that leads to the very best results for our children. It's, you referenced kids in economically you know, uh, depressed areas of communities, and the same is true around the country, that the engagement, the style of education, what you are requiring from the children, it's different. Can you explain to us what you require of your schools when they are engaging children who are in a tough situation? So what we've done is, first thing we do is we have a model of teaching to the top. So regardless of where you are, regardless of where you start, we're going to teach to the top of your grade level curriculum. We do believe that every child has, has, a, has an ethical, ethical right to receive tier one, top tier yep. curriculum at their grade level. Yep. Now, in that respect, though, we have to build in interventions, uh, which, which we refer to as response interventions, to meet them where they are, to close the gap. But never do we say the gap meets in the middle. We race the gap to the top. So uh, we built those systems. It is challenging. And, uh, you know, we pray for our teachers every day because, and our leaders in those schools because there are some challenges. But if we build this and do this today and get it right, if we look at how we're preparing students as early as pre-K, we'll see a decrease in the need as we move to the future. On a day-to-day basis, <clears throat> for people listening who have kids in the system and, you know, they, they read the stories about some of the successes, what, what does the day of a superintendent uh, entail? I mean, what do you do? What's your day-to-day? You know, I often tell people it's my job to put out fires and to build fences to protect <laughs> the teachers so they can teach. And, and, and that, that, 
sounds kind of cliche, but I do think that's what my role is. My goal is to make sure that every teacher has everything they can to make to, to support teaching children. And I do think that um, in that respect, whether it's dealing with board members, whether it's dealing with community groups, whether it's dealing with uh, the fiscal uh, challenges that most school districts across our countries are facing, it's my job to, to work that process so that teachers have everything they need for students to be successful. Uh, you know, I, I do like to sneak in a little time to really enjoy the, the products and really go and see the kids as they do their thing. But in general, I'm the gatekeeper. I'm trying to keep 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 the fox out of the head so that yep. we can move forward to the district. For people listening and, and let's let's take it twofold for the business community if if you had a group of people together and they said dr gory what can we do what do you need how can we help you continue to be successful so our district can can continue moving in that direction that's positive what do you need from us what would you tell them well you know i think the first thing we need is trust we need people to trust the system and to understand and appreciate that our only goal we went into education and this is not you know, like going into uh, into uh, to, to become a brain surgeon where money could be your motivation. Most people in education went into this to make a positive impact on children. Now, in that respect, after that trust comes, we really need people to help us build out on that trust and to help us in communicating the positive message about the school system. We acknowledge and appreciate, as any any system would, that there are problems. But there are also good things going on. And let's just balance the time with what we're selling about the school district. From that perspective, we also need people to understand and support initiatives, whether it's financially, whether it's, uh, you know, through your, through your uh, labor hours. We need people to support the school system and to help us to continue to grow and be the very best that we can be. We can't do this work with the people that we pay along. We need parents. We need business people. We need community people. We need everyone to grab their part of that rope and help us pull it forward. And the same goes, something similar for parents, and specifically parents who either don't have kids in the system because their children are, are all grown and gone, or parents who have, who have not yet made the investment in putting their kids in the system. What would you say to those parents? Again, it goes back to that trust factor. It goes back to taking the time to go out and visit schools, taking the time to really help us be aware of what your needs are so if we are meeting those in our current system so that we can continue to build school systems that are about families and about children, that are about preparation of children. And, and we truly see parents as uh, the greatest, greatest uh, gains in what we actually do. Well, so what's on the horizon for Caddo Schools? You know, uh, I tell you, we're looking forward to going into January. We'll start our State of the District report. Uh, in our State of the District, we'll go through and highlight some of our uh, great accomplishments. But at the same time, we'll talk about some of our greatest needs and talk about how we plan to meet those in the future. We will, too, continue to build relationships uh, throughout our business community and throughout our community in, in, in large so that we can make sure that our system is um, a part of the community and not just seen as something that exists uh, as in addition to the community. And in that respect, Clay, we will always, always continue to push through the achievement and look forward to celebrating even more growth 
uh, as we implement Tier 1 curriculum, as we continue to support teachers in the classroom and continue to just develop the best principal leaders that we possibly can. Well, so far so good. You're the superintendent of the year, and that is a direct outcome of the work being done in Caddo, man. So congrats to you, and keep it moving. Keep it moving. Thank you, sir. Keep us, keep us, keep us in your prayers, man. We need it. <laughs> you got it. Dr. Lamar Gorey, the superintendent of the year for Louisiana. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Executone of Louisiana has been helping businesses in Baton Rouge save money on their telecommunications for over 40 years. Executone will help businesses upgrade their phones and intercom systems, save money, and never have to worry about low Local customer support, doctors' offices, hospitals, schools, businesses, it doesn't matter. All kind have depended on the good people at Executone to upgrade technology and save money. I have a question for you. Do you like saving money? Sure, of course you do. Here's another one. Do you want to keep the most up-to-date phone and intercom technology while saving money? That's what it's all about. That's a no-brainer. Don't get sucked in by out-of-town companies who are not here if you need technical support. Executone has been here, and they believe in a value you have customer service, baby. Don't take my word for it. Give them a call, 225-295-3500. That's 295-3500. Oh, look them up. ExecutoneLA.com. Executone of Louisiana. They still here, and they're going to continue to give you great service. And, you know, there's so many game changers across America in education who are working hard to make a difference and it's it's fascinating you know i've worked with some groups that have had impact on people specifically in louisiana and in different cities in louisiana for school board elections and the state board of elementary and, and secondary education we call it the bessie board here and the the multi-level discussion about modern education is so fascinating and how on the fly, people who are in academia are really having to adjust and evolve because of the nature of the students that they're dealing with. You have some really smart people who are young, who are in the game, trying to engage these kids at such an early level. And what's often so unfortunate, as is the way in society is that the negativity gets that hyper level of attention and the wins and the successes almost get ignored or get almost ignored. And, and there's so many positive things. And, and, you know, again, you don't have to go looking for the negative things. They, they, they are in your face all day, every day. It's one of the functions, unfortunately, of, of, of social media. But the positive things you often have to go dig for or you've got to ring a bell or wave pom-poms to attract people's attention to it. And I think there's some positives going on. And you know, 
I've got some feelings about grading systems as a whole. I don't always know that it takes into account the away from school environment that some children are living in. And that's not to say that they're living in abusive or negative homes. Some kids, they're just living in homes where people are having really tough situations. And the kids don't forget that when they go to the school. In many cases, it goes with them. And I just applaud districts like Caddo that are working to try to improve. The same is going in East Baton Rouge Parish, where you've got some of that work going on. Same in, in, in Orleans Parish, down in the New Orleans area. And some of what they are doing there, it's really important. And again, in cities with schools, school districts that are stellar, and not just stellar because they're already they've already won and they're continuing to win but in cities with school districts where there is this gradual march in the right direction that has a positive impact on what's happening in the city and i think that's true in caddo more people need to know about the gains that are being made there cuz there are gains there are successes happening there i mean a guy doesn't get named superintendent of the year if he sucks at his job so he really has earned that honor, and I've seen him with the kids. He he really cares about children there and works hard, and so we appreciated him being appreciate him being on the show. And for those of you who remember last week, we referenced talking about uh, the legal system. This week, we moved that because I wanted to be able to get Dr. Gore on to talk about winning the award and 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 a little bit about education as we go into the end of 2018 and the midway part of the. 2018-2019 school year. Warren Drake and I spoke at that ceremony where Dr. Gorey was given the award, and he's going to come on the show. Warren Drake is the superintendent of schools in East Baton Rouge Parish, and he has a, a an interesting story to tell, and we'll get him in here to tell it. Listen, hopefully you are enjoying this part of the year, that you will get an opportunity to slow down some and enjoy family and friends that you can celebrate the wins that you have had and reflect on the losses and attack 2019 like a hungry lion approaching a carcass. Go get it. And with that, thank you again for listening to episode 184 of The Clay Young Show. Have a great one. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.